Hey listeners, welcome back to The Money Barrel. This week, Kayla talks with Laney Whitmire of Whitmire Ranch in Oklahoma, who owns and stands Stallion JL Dash to Heaven. Laney is the creator of the World Cutting Horse Association, and listening to her, it's obvious she puts 100% into everything that she puts her name on. This episode is brought to you again by Medvet Pharmaceuticals. Our friends at MVP have a great lineup of performance pastes. Where some supplements need to be given daily and can become expensive, MVP performance pastes can provide pre-race support for those brief moments of increased work and stress. Check out medvetfarm.com for some great deals. Right now, they have deals as sweet as buy two, get one free. That's M-E-D-V-E-T-P-H-A-R-M.com for all your equine partner's needs. All right, let's get to it. This is The Money Barrel. talking with Lainey Whitmire of the Whitmire Ranch and I'm so excited to have you on today just to talk about everything. So I appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your schedule. I know you've been super busy. So thanks for joining us. Well thank you. It's been an exciting time. The horses are doing really good and um, you know we've kind of been traveling. We've been to Rio Dosa for the Rainbow Finals and uh, Whistle Stop Cafe ended up winning that and then we were down at Rio Dosa again and went to the All-American Trials and she's made it back to the All-American Finals. So our little gray our little gray filly is uh, doing really good. So we've been able to travel a little bit and watch her run and it's been neat. I saw that um, on Facebook. That's super exciting. And I have like a kindergarten level knowledge of quarter horse racing. Um, so kind of fill us in on that process. I mean, has it, is this the normal time of year for that to happen? I know some things have been delayed due to COVID. Um, is this normal time of year for these type of things? And then what's the next step from here? Uh, yes, ma'am. It's the normal time of year. The only thing it's been really different, um, at the races, they haven't, unless you have a horse running, you can't get up into the, the jocks club, jockey club or the turf club at Rio Dosa Downs. New Mexico has been really shut down. Um, the restaurants in Rio Dosa, you have to eat outside. So it's been, it's been an, a real unusual year for all of that. And, um, but it's, 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 we bought her as a yearling, um, at the heritage sale. And then she went to Blainwood and she's been in training with Blainwood since then. And he was there when we picked her out and he did a, a lot of the picking out. Um, I have a tendency, I love all horses <laughs> and, um, she is beautiful and she's gray. She is beautiful. And so I fell in love with, yes, I fell in love with her instantly. And then we had to kind of like really decide, you know, there's something more than just she's pretty gray mare but um they have to do all that I, I have never met a horse I'm not a very good um picker because if I see one I find something that I like about that horse so I, I'm not the one you want to take to a horse sale because you'll be coming home with something I come home with something I can't help it and it may be the one that you know just hadn't been fitted out good and they haven't been you know, taking care of it. I'm like, Oh, well, you know, that, that one needs a home. So we'll, we'll take it. That's <laughs> awesome. So she, she won the trials, right? 
Yes, she won her trial and uh, had the fastest time out of 100. There was 133 horses that ran that day. And then uh, there was another set of trials the next day. So they take five each day out of the trials. So she survived, and uh, she gets to go to the finals, and the finals are September the 7th. Awesome. That's so exciting. We will be cheering her on. That'll, that'll be oh, weird well, to you. have this big all-American fraternity and no fans. Oh, it's going to be so strange. <laughs> I, hope, I hope they lift the restrictions. Yeah. Because I want, we want our family and our friends to come. And, oh, and sure. right now, you can't even, you really can't. You can't get people in. So, and they don't allow anybody down um, on the track level at all they're not allowed on the track level That's so even so when crazy. we yeah even when we went to do our wind picture we had to wear a mask oh my gosh very strange well at least very they strange. are not canceling it I mean at least you're no. able to have yes. that so yes. have you guys obviously we'll get back to the barrel horse side of things um but have you been in racehorses long tell us a little bit about your whole operation because I know you're in a little bit of everything it's well, we really need to. <laughs> we do we do um we we have ranches so we run cattle and uh have the cutting horses we own the world cutting horse association and we've been running it for about six years now and it's really growing and really doing good um i'm thankful i've got a really good secretary that helps me with that misty inger so she she is my go-to girl for all of the cutting horse stuff. She takes care of me on that. And she can run the shows without us even being there. So that kind of has, it handles itself pretty well. But um, we have, um, we have Ray, my husband has always been in the running horses. And um, my dad, he trained racehorses. So I grew up ponying horses on the racetrack. That's how I went to college is um, $10 a head pony and race horses. Oh, wow. That's, and, um, that's it, really cool. It was, it was fun. And I got to meet a lot of really nice people. Um, it was, a, it was good. And then uh, after that, went to college, uh, was a school teacher for a little while, taught school. Um, I do, did do some um, court order mediations, stuff like that. So I have the counseling degree also. Okay. And, uh, so I did a little of that and then I just keep migrating back to horses and that's in our daughter, our daughter, Lauren, um, she, that's all she wants to do is horses. So it's kind of been bred in her, but we started it. We both, my husband and I both had race or, you know, had a racehorse background. And then when we got married, he had some cutting horses. And so I started messing with the cutting horses and they're, they're a lot of fun. That's what I was going to ask. How did you like transfer from, you know, the race side of things into cutting and then into barrel racing right well I've always run barrels because my dad he had the racehorses but then he also bulldogged okay and my mom ran barrels so he um he introduced me to the racehorse or to the barrel horse deal I mean I was introduced to the rodeos when I was a kid real very young a baby I was going to rodeos probably before I was even a, a figment of my parents imagination <laughs> they were going so um did that and then um just kind of I've always had a barrel horse I even when I was doing more cutting than running barrels I always had to have some barrel horses because the cutting is a judged event and the barrel horses it's kind of like the fastest time wins and the only person you can get upset about you know if things don't work out is yourself you know you just need to 
go back to the practice pen and figure it out. Yeah. But um, it, it keeps you sane. It keeps you sane, you know, and then and, and the racehorse deal, it, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Fastest horse wins. So you just, you know, it, I mean, it can, you can have problems, you know, the ground uh, in the barrel racing and in the running, the ground can change, you know, especially down at Rio Dosa because you can get a, a rain or, um, you know, those little storms come through on the mountains and it can totally change the track or a tailwind or something like that. So it's, it's, um, it's just a, a fun I don't care what it is. If it's with horses, it's fun. You do. I enjoy it. That's, that's so cool. That's, I mean, that's awesome that you're able to branch out. And I wanted to ask you, cause you know, of course I had to do a little bit of Facebook stalking to see everything. <laughs> um, I mean, comparing the industries, I mean, we'll just dive right into it. I mean, what, what okay. are some of the differences? Um, I know that you're friends with Joy Wargo. Um, yes. and you know, I, I love joy and admire her and she's brought up some different things about, you know, our industry and needing to be more professional and, you know, comparing to right. some, di- some different things. And so when you agreed to come on the podcast, I was like, Oh, I want to talk about this because you know, the other industries, um, and, you know, especially with the, your association, which I want to get into that as well. But I mean, what do you see good and bad comparisons, our industries, and then the other ones? The good thing I think about the barrel horse industry is we're, we're getting better. Um, we're starting, if you look back, we, every other discipline has bred for that person, that discipline for a long time. Mm -hmm. The cutting horses have bred cutting horses to cutting horses for a very long time. Um, the racehorses, you, you know, they've bred for a racehorse and it has really, you know, uh, I would say probably firewater flit, uh, Frenchman's guy, and I'm going to miss some, so I'm not going to name any more, but, um, there were certain people that did start breeding for barrel horses, but they were the ones that kind of set the standard. And up until then, I can remember during the Fort Smith maturity, because I lived at Salisaw and I worked on the track, I would have friends that would come and say, hey, do you know where there's any, you know, do they have any double A horses they want to sell or learning horses at the track they want to sell and want to make a barrel horse? We weren't breeding for barrel horses at that time. And I think we've, we've helped ourselves a lot there. Um, I think the professionalism is coming on. Um, I think we're figuring that out too. It's, um, we need to remember that those sponsors and the people that help us make, make sure that we have places to go, the producers, the producers have to get sponsors. The sponsors also can see your Facebook page Mm -hmm. and, so I'm a big advocate for um, not airing dirty laundry on social media. And barrel I don't racers, think that, that needs to be done. Yeah, barrel racers, I feel, are like their own worst enemies 99% of right. the time as far as that goes. Right. And uh, that's the thing I, I don't think that they some people realize is if I'm calling, let's say I'm putting on a cut and I'm begging a company to uh, give me 5000 for added money. If they go on our, our website or our Facebook page, I want them to see everything positive. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to see any negative. And if they go on there and they see 
our competitors griping about the facilities and the ground and the way things are run and who's running them and the judges and you know you can go on and on and on with the list it it deters that person from wanting to be a sponsor people want to be associated with very professional people and I think that's something that maybe we could do better yeah I mean I totally agree and it, it makes sense you just don't realize who sees what nowadays especially when everybody just puts everything out there and I think that we we put too much out there. I think we want we want to voice our opinions and and I would rather somebody if I'm producing an event, I'd rather them call me and say, "Listen, you know, you all messed this deal up. This was wrong. You know, the ground was trashy. Uh, you know, I don't like the color of your barrels. I don't, you know, whatever." I would rather them call me and gripe to me than get on social media because you don't know who's watching that. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I mean, I put on my own barrel race and I'd much rather have somebody come up to me directly and say, Hey, what's going on versus, you know, well, they said that on Facebook that, you know, your ground right. was awful. And it's like, Oh, well that's right. That's nice. They didn't that's, talk to me. That's, yeah. And that that's the thing we need to, you know, and just communicate, you mm-hmm. know, just communicate with me. And tell me, you know, and I, nobody that produces an event wants it to not go good. Everybody, you put too much blood, sweat, and tears into producing an event uh, for it not to go right. So you want your customers or your competitors, your contestants, you want them to want to come back. And if, uh, you know, if I know that there's something we aren't doing right, I'm going to try to fix it. If at all possible, I'm going to try to fix it. And I know you're the same way, anybody that produces an event. And uh, that's something that really, I I think, I think as barrel racers and and the other thing I've, I've made suggestions before, if you're, if you're going to fuss about something, volunteer at the next one and maybe you'll understand why it went that way. Yes, exactly. I mean, we'll do whatever we can, but sometimes, you know, things are out of, out of our control. do you have exactly? Do you have a lot of those same issues? I mean, at, at like cut cut ins and everything. I know you put on a lot of those, which I kind of want to get into that yeah. as well. Um, I mean, is that kind of the, the same type of thing? It, it's kind of the same type of thing, but uh, our people that go to our shows honestly are the nicest people, and I think they understand what it takes to put it on and. And they're appreciative of having a place to go cut, and they understand that cattle costs are high. And uh, so I, I've been real lucky. Um, I can count on one hand the people that have gotten, you know, upset and not been happy. And, you know, usually after you explain things to them and they understand why it happened the way it happened, they kind of calm down and it's everything's okay. So I would say that it, it probably, I would. I hear less griping probably at my cuttings than I have at some barrel racings. But like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be, I will not gripe. I'm thankful for anybody that produces anything because it is a tough job. Yeah. Thankless job (laughs) at times. (laughs) You're right. I remember we talked, what was it back in like May or something, right? When all, you know, the COVID was getting worse and you were just trying to put on the Fort Worth cutting. I couldn't imagine doing that and also having to have cattle. Like I need three barrels. (laughs) You you have to have so much more. 
Right, right. We use, um, I think down at Fort Worth, we use seven, 800 head Holy of cattle. Cow. Maybe more than that. I can't, I've lost track. But, um, and it, it is hard. You've got to schedule the trucking. And uh, we have a, a lady, uh, Carla Rogers. Her husband is Bozo Rogers, Hall of Fame working cow horse. And Carla herself has won the world working cow horse. And I call her Carla my cow goddess <laughs> because she takes care of all that for me. She's on a horse from the time the show starts. Well, before the show starts until the show ends and uh, she sorts off what needs to be sorted off she brings in the right number of cattle for the next class you know if we have 15 head in the class and uh, we use two and a half cows per entry so she has to count that many in make sure they get in there everybody's settled everybody's happy and um so uh, i couldn't do it without help honestly i I could not but i don't know how you handle it with with that many barrel racers and worrying about the ground and I can only imagine oh I I do it because the people that are my husband is married to me he has no choice <laughs> and my <laughs> my friends and in-laws are stuck with me too because it's hard right. I mean it really is, it hard. is hard and it's hard to sometimes do it with a smile because yeah you're stressed out about everything mm-hmm. um, oh yeah I mean that yeah I lean on my family a ton too my um uh, my daughter she I, I bet I know she's it drives her crazy, but, um, she helps me and, um, my husband, he has to go, he has to help me, you know, and he, he kind of takes care of a lot of the PR when I'm not there and stuff. So it works out really good, but, um, yeah, it's, it, it's hard, but I, I think our industry has gotten actually gotten better. I think we're portraying ourselves much more professionally than we have in the past. And I expect it to get better, honestly. I hope so too. And I think with more awareness, you know, of how things work, it'll, it'll keep getting better. Um, so how, I mean, like we've said, I, I produced the one barrel race and at the end of every <laughs> year, I'm like, okay, I'll sign up for it again. But I mean, it's a lot of work. How did you it go is. from deciding to host a cutting to owning an association? I mean, that's well, like next level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was just a need. Um, the other association really was not catering to um, the weekend cutter or the little guy very much. And I kind of have a soft spot, spot for um, the people that, you know, they may not have a trainer. Let's say a trainer. Uh, he may only have like three or four clients. I want to treat him as well as I do the trainer that has, you know, that brings four trailers to the show. Well, that's kind of um, like a fraternity versus like an open, right? Is that kind of the right. comparison? It is. It is. And, uh, and we've started having some, what they call the limited aged events for the younger horses at our shows. And the only thing is I don't ever want to exclude the little person. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to exclude that person with, you know, three or four head and and cater to the one that brings five trailers i want to keep it real uh real friendly you know customer friendly i call our competitors uh customers anybody that that comes to the show or buys a membership they're our customers Mm -hmm. and so i really want to stay very appreciative of those people you know that come whether they have one horse or like i said you know they come in and they've got three trailers and you know 
full of amateurs and non-pros and you know they're they make up 20 entries I want to treat them the same way I do with the, the person that has one entry in one horse I think that's so cool and so important um because I mean I honestly thought that and I like I said I don't really know much about it but you know that the cutting in the reining industry is more you know solely professional trainers not necessarily what you do on the weekend like barrel racing you know anybody can barrel race um right that's really cool that you started that for you know maybe the people that just want to try cutting every on the weekends or you know once a month or something like that and and we have a lot of fun Uh, if it ever gets to the point that it's not fun I will I won't be able to do it I mean and it's uh and that's the thing these people have become more than friends you know when you see them every every day or every weekend you kind of get close to them and uh they they're they're the kind of people that you want to be around we have really good members like salt of the earth kind of people I guarantee you we we had like a PA go out one time and uh there was a gentleman that stepped up and he he found us a PA system like (laughs) within 15 minutes (laughs) you know I mean it's just like they 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 make it so easy to want to help them and want to have these shows so that's really why we do it I think that's that's really awesome so do you have multiple shows a year or you know once a month kind of kind of walk us through that because I'm just interested on how you manage everything plus have your own association (laughs) <laughs> well the they we have multiples um throughout the year then we have a big finals at the end of the year in October and the finals this year is going to be in Belton and it will be um the last weekend in October and Belton is a new facility Belton Texas has got a new facility it's where they had the rodeo this year oh cool okay it's, uh, it's such a nice facility and uh so we're going to have that there but we do several throughout the year. And then we also have affiliates. I have some affiliates that have their own shows and people can go to those shows and qualify for our finals. Oh, cool. But like at our finals, we're going to give away 13 saddles. We're giving away a trailer. We're giving away, we'll give away 10 top 10 jackets in each division. There's 13 different divisions. So 130 jackets, 36 buckles. Oh, that's awesome. And, that's a big deal. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Horse logic products, Marisol. Neutrina is a huge sponsor sponsor. So we give away some stuff from Neutrina. Um, and just the same, you know, you know how it is when you're putting on a, a production, it's uh you give away little, you know, yeah. door prizes yeah, that's or awesome. draw prizes or, you know, whatever you can come up with and and make sure that everybody has a good time. That sounds like a good deal. And a lot of work. So hopping, I mean, hopping from the racing to the cutting and now to the barrel racing, how did you guys, I mean, you own barrel horses, but of course we have to talk about your studs. Cause I know you tell us a little bit about your studs. I guess I won't take away your story. Okay. You tell us. No, it's <laughs> well, uh, we have uh bullseye bullion, which I bought from Alexis Willis. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, I love him. I still get to run him all the time. He's ten. He's sound, and he is so much fun. Got the best personality, and uh, Hall's just like a gildan. So and did you love him? I mean, I I've watched him before, and he he's just so much fun to watch. Did you buy him mainly oh, to, to race, or did you buy him because you wanted to get into the stud business? 
I really did not want to get into this dead <laughs> business. <laughs> I was, it was not on my radar at all. Um, I bought him because he was, I watched him since he was three when Alex had him. And I told her, I, I begged her forever to sell me that horse. And uh, she finally, she finally considered it. But um, she, she is a doctor and she has a little girl. So she had to, she had that to take care of and she kind of considered it that, um, he, he's just amazing, but no, being a stallion owner was not on my radar, but he was so nice to be around. He didn't act like a stud. He was easy to deal with. He kind of spoils you because they're not all like that. But um, that's how you get then, sucked in one, one good yes, one. Yes, that's exactly one good one sucks you in. <laughs> and uh, we had a racehorse, Baru, and he got hurt on the track. So uh, we did surgery on him, and I had every um, intention of riding him. And I just cannot keep him sound. He had to have some chips removed, and he was so fast when he was two. And I just don't, I don't think I can keep him sound. So. Mm. We're going to breed some mares to him. He's a PYC out of a Jess Perry mare, and he's black, and he's beautiful, and uh, he's got lots of hair, and I swear when he goes out, he, he tosses his hair around like Fabio. <laughs> I mean, he's like, he, he knows he's an amazing. He's pretty. Oh, he knows. He knows he's pretty. Yeah, he knows he's pretty. Kind of like bulls. If anybody comes around bulls and gets their phone out to take a picture, I swear he poses. I don't know how he knows, but he poses. He likes to pose. They're smarter. And he loves. Give, give him credit oh, yeah. for it. And he loves company. He loves for people to come up to him and be around him. So. And then um, JL. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like <laughs> yeah. whatever you decide to do, you go in 150%. We kind of do. And I, I don't think it's on purpose. The deal with JL um when we first thought about it or we first found out he was going to be sold, which I was kind of shocked. I don't know why, but I always thought those studs in that ranch, I never imagined it ever changing at all. Um, I'm friends with Maddie, uh, Judd's daughter. And uh, she, she's been, she was so kind about everything and has been very supportive. But um, when I heard he was going to go through an, a public auction, I was kind of shocked. I don't know why I just figured. I think they, everybody was. There was. Well, it's just he's JL dash to heaven. Yeah. I I, I just I, I couldn't believe he was going to go through a public auction, and at first I didn't even consider it. And uh, we kind of started crunching some numbers, and because we're in the racehorse deal, the stallions in the racehorse deal, it's all about um, averages and percentages, and and you know, what the stallions produced and average earnings per starter, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And when I started looking at JL, I was like, his averages are awesome. Like 20 plus thousand dollars a starter. And uh, that's really good yeah. for a barrel horse. Yeah. Well, that's good for a racehorse. And um, so we kind of looked at that and I just, it kind of progressed. We talked to, um, they had taken him to Cinder Lakes Ranch to standing for the remainder of 2020. And that's where I keep bulls in Baru. And I was there not too long after he got there. 
and um, I saw him and I was just kind of like, well, what, you know, I, I, I asked them, I said, you know, do you have any idea what they're going to have to have for him? And nobody knew, you know, anything about what it was going to take to buy him. And everybody just said, you know, he's going to have to go through the auction and whoever buys him, buys him. And I, that, that kind of made me start thinking too, because Jed had been larger than life. And I remember watching those horses with that brand. I remember watching JL uh, when Ashley set the arena record on him mm-hmm. in Oklahoma City. And I'd watch Bennett run him at the rodeos. And he was so gritty in every single trip he tried just tried his heart out and that's something you don't you know usually the rodeo horses um they'll learn to take care of themselves and I don't think JL ever quit just gutting himself out there ever trip so I, I kind of watched that and I, I'd seen you know his babies and they all work and they all want to run barrels so yeah um, they know what their job is exactly Exactly. There's no like, uh, there's no doubt that they're going to go in there and try to work. So we kind of thought about it. And uh, then we we decided to go to the sale, but we had crunched some numbers with um, Jade Rick Ford, who stand stand the studs there at Cinder Lake. And we crunched some numbers and I was like, you know, I said, um, if he didn't, you know, he might be a good, this might be a good opportunity, just depending on what happens. And, uh, so we went to the sale and I let my husband bid because like I said, he's the business end of it. I'm very emotional. I'm liable to stand up and you know, <laughs> just keep my hand up the whole time. <laughs> so I'm not the one that needs to be doing any of that. Uh, I have no self-control at a horse sale. So uh, he's the one that bid and uh, we ended up getting him bought and I was, I was so excited and he looked so good. Just tell us about that. Cause I can only imagine, I mean, I saw the Facebook videos of him go, you know, going up and like, that just seems like such a surreal moment. It was, and it was, uh, it was kind of a sad moment. I, I was sad to see those horses go through the ring. Yeah. Um, I was sad to see um, that happen for Judd's legacy. The The good part about it, the thing that I think he would have been really proud of is they, you know, that was a great horse sale. Those horses brought a ton of money. Uh, everybody appreciated what he's done. They appreciated his legacy and they all wanted a part of it. So that should have, that should make him, would have made him, I think, very proud. And I hope that he would be proud that we got JL because the horse will never, he will never leave. He will never want for anything. Um, he's treated like a king. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about him, but it was surreal. It was, it was almost, it was sad, but it, I, I wanted to be excited. But on the other hand, I was, kind of, I was pretty sad to see, to see that happen. Yeah. That's hard. Cause it's not like, like you said, you never thought this horse would even be up for grabs no you know let alone probably going home in your trailer right Um, right right and that was uh, you know in the first person that called me after the gavel dropped was maddie little oh that's and um she was happy she was happy so that made me feel happy but there were some tears shed it was a it was a hard day 
honestly it was pretty stressful and and like I said I think if I didn't know you know if I just was looking at it like oh it's just another horse sale but looking at it like it was the end of a legacy um that I never in my wildest dreams ever imagined uh those horses selling so it it was kind of sad I mean it was it was just a real it was a real surreal day, just like you said. I, I understand that. But, I mean, just, what was that, a month or two months ago? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like you guys have put a lot out there for him already. I mean, just between social well, media, you. Um, you know, the Fort Smith stuff. I mean, I, I watch all that, um, you know, because I, I like to watch the studs and everything. So, I feel like you guys are really going to do him justice. Um, what kind of, I mean... Was there a learning, I know you had bullseye bullion, but is there like a learning curve to owning studs or what are your plans kind of with him going forward? There is such a learning curve (laughs) with owning the studs, as you well know. Um, It's, it's hard um, because you want to breed the best mares to your stud. And then you also have to make it make sense. Um, you know, I don't want to breed a ton of mares. Mm-hmm. I, and I know that is totally different from everybody else's ideas, but um, I want him to breed the best mares he can. And I don't want to breed um, 200 mares to him. I want to breed good quality mares and lower numbers. Yeah. And I know that that, that kind of doesn't fit in with a lot of people's idea of what's right, but um, there's just not that many great mares out there. And if you flood the market, I, I don't think it helps your stud. I'd rather have a higher average. Um, I'd rather have those babies do something, be in the right hands. And um, that's kind of the way I look at it. I mean, these are, I, I hate to say this, but I get attached to them and it would kill me if, you know, we had a bunch of JL babies or Bulls babies out there that um, that didn't have, didn't go to the right place. So um, I'd kind of rather not breed a ton of them. I'd rather breed the good ones and Qual- keep up with them. Quality over quantity, I think, is, you know, yes. so important. And he's already proven that, you know, his averages are good, too, or great. Right. Really. So how many mares, what is it typically year, or I guess, this will be your first full breeding season with him, but um, what are you going to limit his book to? You know, I'm not exactly sure right now. I hate to say yeah. a number because sure. As soon as we say a number, somebody will come up with a fabulous <laughs> mare. <Right? laughs> I'll be like, Oh wow. Just kidding. You know? <laughs> yeah. So um, I hate to say a number, but we've already sent, we've already gotten back over 60 contracts. Oh wow. For 2021. Holy cow. So that's he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so he's getting he's he's getting a lot of activity, and uh, we're going to do a lot of incentives with him. Just like you said, it's kind of a learning curve. Since I run barrels, I love the incentives. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to be able to to run for that extra money. In that, we're going to do that Whitmire uh, Ranch incentive, which is ten thousand if they win a major futurity. We're going to name the futurities before you know, so they'll know. But um, and then. Uh, We've got some other other things up our sleeves that we're working on, but he's in Future Fortunes. He's in um, the uh, Ruby Buckle now for next year, and Bulls is in the Pink Buckle. So um, we've got some good, awesome. We got some good incentives going for their babies. Awesome, and so 
from, you know, a stallion owner's perspective, like you said, you love the incentives as a rider. Um, and right. <laughs> I, I do too. Um, but then, you know, it's, it's a, a different side of things when you're a stud owner. Exactly. So and talk us you... kind of through that, or I guess what, what's your mind frame as far as, you know, the incentives, like how do you decide what to enroll them in, what to not those type of things? Well, I try to listen to what the, the riders want to do. And I go to a bunch of barrel races myself so I can kind of see what, what people are, what they are attracted to and what they're, you know, what doesn't get as much attention. I think the incentives, I think um, for a stallion owner, I like to have everything very clear um, before I give money to an incentive. Mm-hmm. I like for everything to be very uh, open. Um, if, if, uh, if it's very transparent, there's no question asked whatsoever. And uh, the racehorse industry, I feel like, has done a tremendous job with that. When we pay our horses into the All-American, say, um, the Futurity, they will literally send me a list of the number of horses that are that paid the first payment at the end of the, before we pay the second payment. So we know how many horses have paid in that first payment. And then throughout the year, until it's time to, to run, they'll send you statements and uh, it shows you how many horses have paid. If there's been a late penalty, if there's been, um, you know, anything that has to do with that purse Mm -hmm. is explained to you in spreadsheet form. And I really would like to see uh, that's something that I think the burl horse industry could do more of. And I agree. I mean, I, I'm kind of nerdy when it comes to payouts and numbers. Um, and I've just learned, I mean, I'm, I'm that way. Like I like it spelled out. And at least for my race, like you can see the percentages, you see where it goes. Like, I just think that's important. And I don't think a lot of people realize the cost that goes into things like this. And so like wanting to know that information isn't, isn't really a hard ask because it's just trying to, you know, explain, Hey, where's my investment going? Right. And I would rather, um, if I'm going to pay into something, I would rather them tell me, okay, um, this much is going to the purse, you know, we're holding out, uh, 10, 15, 25%, whatever their percentage is for, um, advertising, um, operating costs, which would include the arena, dirt, whatever you've got to mm-hmm. do, tractors, you yeah. know, just, I would rather them just spell that out and say, you know, instead of it being kind of a, a question in your mind, well, how much, <laughs> what's it going to pay when I get there, you know, and, and, uh, I think that's something that the barrel horse people can do better, a better job. And the racehorse people have that cornered. I mean, they, they do an excellent job. They can tell you to the penny. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I don't think I realized that. Um, you know, I know the incentives now there's so many of them. Is there, is that the same in the racehorse industry? And is there anything like that in the cutting horse industry? The cutting horse industry does have some incentives, some breeders incentives. Mm -hmm. Um, they have stallion incentives. Uh, metallic cat does one that's strictly for the metallic cat horses. Um, and then um, the racehorse industry, they basically, they kind of do some breeders awards, uh, Oklahoma bread program, Texas bread program, stuff like that. 
um, each state has a New Mexico, like New Mexico has a New Mexico bread program. If you're, if you're full, you have a New Mexico bread full, but um, they're not as, as in on the incentives, I wouldn't say as the barrel horse people, we've kind of, we've kind of, instead of uh, the purses are so good at the races and the way they do it. And there's no entry fee for overnight races. So um, you could have an older horse and enter it in a race at Remington and you've got to outrun nine head and you may win 20,000 that night and there's no entry fee. Oh, you pay a jocks mount. You pay, uh, if you win, you pay your jockey 10%, you pay your trainer 10% and then the rest of it goes to the owner. So that's a lot different too in the racehorse industry. Um, in the barrel horse industry, it's, it's common for the trainer, rider, um, to get 50%. And in the racehorse industry, the trainer gets 10%. Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And then the jockey gets some too. Jockey gets 10%. Yeah. All right. That's, I don't know how you keep it all straight. Because <laughs> there's so much. <laughs> well, I'm, right. I've just grown up in it. So yeah. It's, it's been a trial by fire, probably. <laughs> are, are we going to see some JL Dash to Heavens on the track? I want to. I think he's fast enough. And uh, I actually talked to uh, Ricky Ramirez, who rode Whistle Stop Cafe. And he uh, he asked me in the yeah. winter circle the other day, he said, uh, am I going to get to ride a JL? <laughs> and I said, I think it would be a good idea. What do you think? So um, we have a mare called uh, Hearts Wide Open that won $1.8 million on the track. She was a world champion. She won the uh, Futurity, the Derby. She's she's awesome. And uh, she's coal black and got a heart on her forehead. And uh, I think we may breed her to jail. Oh, that Fletcher would be exciting. That would be really cool. Yeah. So, and I was also going to ask that. So, you guys own the studs and everything. Do you raise all your horses? Or you just, you said that you bought Whistle Stop Cafe at an auction. Um, you know, how, what about your personal program? I, I like to raise them. Mm-hmm. We've got, uh, two bulls yearlings right now. I've got a, uh, one out of a mare called can y'all CD freckles that we cut on. And then I've got one out of, uh, a highbrow cat mare. And then we've got two running babies out of the fiscal or by the fiscal cliff out of um a phone trick mare one of them's out of a phone trick mare and the other one is out of a uh, trisace mare so we've got a little of everything and then next year and i've got some foals on the several foals on the ground so i i like to raise them we go to the heritage sale and uh try to primarily if we see a filly that we think would be a good brood mare someday mm-hmm. and then we can go ahead and run it like when we were looking at whistle stop she's got an amazing mare family so that's why we that that was the first thing that we liked about her and uh so when we decided we were going to get some into some racehorses we try to buy fillies okay me too so we can keep them (laughs) so i can keep them (laughs) i love it so i don't have to sell anything yeah i love it i love it (laughs) yeah so we do a little of both. I love the babies. I love raising the babies. They're so much fun. There's so much personality there. And uh, you can tell what they're going to be like from the word go. That's so cool. That I mean, that's just, you guys have so much going on. Um, I think that's really impressive. And, you know, now you're heavily invested in 
all industries <laughs> and, you know, giving back between your associations and, um, you know, paying into the incentives and everything like that. Cause Lord knows that isn't cheap. Um, I won't, I won't keep oh. you too much longer cause I, I know you're busy. Um, but tell us a little bit about the future. Um, you know, you bought JL, you have some barrel horses. What, what are kind of the next steps? Well, I think we've been toying around the idea of starting another incentive. I know the stallion owners are gonna gonna uh, really cr- probably groan when I say this, but um, there's because we're we're incentived out. But I really feel like there's uh, I'd like to incorporate some of the racehorse uh, stuff with it. I'd like to be real upfront. Uh, I'd like to put everything out there. Um, I'd like to have a really good website Mm -hmm. that shows you everything you need to know. Um, very informative. And, uh, I think, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna do it. We've been talking about it and I think it's another way we can give back to the, to the barrel horse industry, make it a little more affordable, uh, maybe limit it to a hundred stallions instead of 50 and just see where we can go with it. I'd, I'd like to be able to do that and uh, have a nomination uh, once a year or once once a horse's uh, of age, um, you can nominate them, not every year. Uh, you know, I've paid in a lot of money this year to, to some incentives and uh, to keep those babies eligible. And I'm still going to, I'm still going to be involved in them. But I'd like to incorporate a little bit of um, the things that just make the racehorse industry uh, so much more uh, user friendly. Maybe that's the word I want to use. And uh, then, and I'd kind of like to bring some of that to the table for the barrel barrel racers and just see how it works. Well, I think that would be really exciting. I mean, kind of take the best of a couple different programs. And right. your knowledge right. of other industries and create something like you did with the World Cutting Horse Association that's great for right. everybody. Right. I'd just like to see um I, I wanna get it where it's affordable for for every stallion owner. Mm-hmm. And uh I'd like to see see something that pays back, um, like have multiple races, have a four or five regional races a year that pay good money that pay pay you to to haul that horse and i'd like to see it you know these these trainers they need it um our horses they uh they deserve it they deserve the opportunity to run it good money and so do these the girls that and the guys that um they have a lot of blood sweat and tears in those horses by the time they're three and four years old and I'd like to see them be able to, to make good money for their efforts. Yeah, that's really exciting. I mean, I always, I tell people and, you know, it, it costs the same for me to keep a horse going to go to a $50 jackpot as it does to pay a fraternity entry fee. Like <laughs> the, co- exactly. the cost to keep them sound and healthy and feed them and the time doesn't change. So exactly. it sure is nice to have, you know, some opportunities to make some of that back. And I think the barrel horse industry is ready for it. I think they're ready for, um, for us to step it up a notch. Honestly, I think, I think we have, uh, like I said, we're breeding more horses for barrels, particularly for barrel racing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's happened. That's been 
amazing to see that transformation. It's so much easier, you know, to take a horse that wants to run barrels than to take a three-year-old off the track and, you know, hope it, hope it wants to run barrels. But um, there's a lot of really upside, I believe, to um, including more horses, uh, making it a little more affordable and uh, having more having more opportunities for for people to make money. I'd, I'd love to. See, I want to see our industry grow and keep growing. Uh, you know, the American was life changing. Mm-hmm. What they did for barrel racing that has that has changed the market for those older horses and those rodeo horses. Um, I mean, you can't those horses. It, it changed changed what you were going to do with those top horses. And before, you know, when they got to a certain age, it was like, well, if they're, you're either going to go rodeo or you're going to go jackpot. And, uh, you know, there's not a lot of in between. And now you've got these big regional races. You've got um, the incentive races. There's, there's a market for the older horses now. And I love that. I think that's been great. Yeah, I think it's so, I mean, it's so important. It's important to keep growing and, you know, adding some different stuff to it. So I'm really excited to, to see that and, you know, to hope. Well, thank you. We're going to finalize. Yes, ma'am. We're going to finalize it um, probably in the next week or so and, and announce it and uh, try it and see what we can do. And our main, our main goal is just to kind of help it, help the industry grow. And uh, I think there's room for it right now. So awesome. hopefully it'll work out and uh, we'll get some, we'll get, we'll be back to talk to you some more. Yes. I would love that. You let me know and I'll be here. Sure. So, uh, sure. That'd be great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Lainey, for your time. I won't keep you any longer, well, thank but uh, you. thank you and have a great night. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. A huge thank you to MVP Equine Supplements. Be sure to check out their line of performance pace and see how they can help you bring home the big check. Check out their website at medvetfarm.com or give them a call at 833-809-4848 and let them know the Money Barrel sent you. As users of their products, Kayla and I know you won't regret it. Come back next week when Kayla talks to a cowgirl who recently brought home more than 65000 in one weekend. If that doesn't make you want to quit your day job, I don't know what will. We hope to see you there.